delivering all the news, the informed views, and just telling great motorsport stories since 2003. Powered by the Racetalk.com. This is on the grid. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the Radio Show Limited RS1. Thank you for joining us. We've got a massive show for you today. Interviews with Warren Luff who has signed on as an Enduro co-driver with WAU and Hunter McElway who has his first Indy Lights race this weekend. We'll also hear from Supercars champion Shane Van Gisbergen and Anton Di Pasquale after their test days at QR and Cam Waters, Mark Winterbottom, Chas Mossett and Fabian Coulter talk to us after their test days at Winton. Dave Reynolds, Lee Holdsworth, James Golding and Dale Wood talk about the upcoming Australian Grand Prix and the role in the show that they'll play while Dale Rogers gives us an early preview into the F1 season. Richard Crowell and Mark Walker will also join me to chat about the happenings in the world of motor racing this week. Whew, all that to come right here on The Grid. You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world. On the grid. All right, time to kick off the show with some news and supercars is what we'll look at first. There's been a lot of testing done around Australia up at Queensland Raceway and also at Winton for the Victorian and Queensland teams. Let's have a listen to what V8 supercar champion for 2021, Shane Van Gisbergen, and his opposition, Anton Di Pasquale, had to say about their test days up at QR. Yeah, like the first time drive down back straight and go full throttle, it always gives you a bit of shock how fast these cars you know it's um it's even only three months or something but you still yeah it's still a rush every time you go flat out so it's a cool feeling mm. i'm trying some stuff to develop eastern creek car but yeah it's um yeah it's an interesting feeling <laughs> yeah well it's the kind of track that really shows up where you're lacking i think in our car so that's what we're trying to do today find some things out and you know our car's awesome like i'm driving around here today and the thing's hooked up like it's really good but yeah, we need to find some areas for tracks like Eastern Creek. No, it's been good. I've been riding motorbike three times a week, racing sim a lot, and yeah, hopefully do some GT testing next week. And yeah, I got plenty on. It's good. Yeah, good so far. It's uh, it's always good. The first day back in the car, you know, drive out of pit lane, they're pulling gears, and sort of throws you back in the seat. So uh, it's something we miss. So it's good to be back out there, just going through our checklist, and uh, so far so good. Um, oh, we're just focusing on how to go faster throughout the year. So, uh, I mean, everyone's going to give you the same answer because that's what we're all here for. So, um, yeah, just getting back up to speed of things, going through things and sort of building that toolbox for the year to come. So uh, when things get thrown away, hopefully we've got some answers and uh, can fight at the front somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's always, off season's always too long and, you know, the wait between the last race and the first race, you're always sort of counting down. So it'd be good to get back in the car, obviously, get back testing. I, I enjoy testing and driving around all day. So uh, it'd be good to get back to Sydney, get back in the groove it and uh, hopefully have a really good year. Time to head to Victoria now where we'll hear from Cam Waters, Chaz Mostert, Fabian Coulthard and also Mark Witterbottom talking about their cars. Uh, yeah, also be back in the supercar, a lot different to the sprint car, which I've been driving all summer. But um, yeah, we've been running through our test program and and uh, just ticking the boxes, what we have to do today. And um, yeah, so far, so good. Yeah, I haven't really had an off season. So, you know, every weekend I've been in the sprint car. So you're really sharp. I feel like I'm, you know, slotted straight in the supercar and um, yeah, don't feel rusty at all. So the, uh, yeah, the off season has been really good for me. Yeah, I guess uh, last year, you know, we got a few poles, won a few races. And, uh, you know, fifth in the championship was probably a bit of a letdown, to be honest. So for us, we've just got to fix the tracks that we're weak at. And, um, you know, today is all about that. Yeah, today is just about, you know, understanding our car and um, fixing the issues that we've got. So, 
you know, one of the issues is SMP. We don't go that good there in the past. And, um, you know, we just got to learn a little bit more about the car and, and what it needs at kind of those styles and circuits. Yeah, it's, you know, these days are pretty tricky as it is. Um, you know, a long little off season for us from Bathurst to here. So, um, you know, main thing today is obviously start to get feeling comfortable back in the car. Uh, everything still fits, you know, suits, um, the seat, all that kind of stuff. So all that stuff's pretty good. But we're just running through our program at the moment. Probably sound like a broken record three, three years every time we do a pre-interview at the start of the year. But um, yeah, overall, it's all feeling good, you know. So obviously the team's focus today is to get Mick up to speed where we have been on our program, get him comfortable in the car as well as a whole team and try to offer as much support as I can to him because, um, you know, within a week we're at SMP straight away. So um, yeah, it's such a small turnaround. Yeah, so far so good. Um, obviously first day on the job um, here at Winton Raceway. So haven't uh, had a spin in the car yet, but uh, that'll be happening soon. Yeah, it's a great vibe, um, you know, both Chaz and Nick and Luffy, you know, we all get on very well and um, I think that's a, a good recipe. So um, just trying to leech off them at the moment, get as much information about the car and things like that um, to get a bit more of an understanding before I jump in. Yeah. Uh, like um, like any driver, you know, you, you want to associate yourself with iconic brands, um, you know, very famous prestigious name, um, you know, the Walkinshaw name, the Andretti name. So uh, yeah, pretty proud to be part of this organisation. I always love this time of year, I guess, um, you know, you start of the year and you go into a new season and we're all on zero points. So I love the fact that you go in there hoping that uh, this year's the year, you know, I've, I've done it before, I know what it takes. Um, but my, my record, I guess I, I want to win races, podiums, um, championships with Charlie. That's why I signed up this team and until I can do that, I'm not satisfied and I can tell you I'm working hard behind the scenes. Um, gym work and um, preparation and all that sort of side has been fantastic. So determination's higher than ever. I'm fit, I'm hungry and uh, I want to win it. Well, this was a great little story. Marcus Ambrose returning for a one-off race meeting and that race meeting will be the Bathurst Six Hour. Let's have a listen to what that is all about as we catch up with Richard Crowell talking to Marcus Ambrose. Marcus, High Tech Oil's Bathurst six hour this year with the Medici family with a, a GRM Ford Mustang. How cool's that? Yeah, it really is fun. Look, I go back a long way with the Medici family. George came to America and did the late model program with us uh, back when I was racing in NASCAR and, and I know Andrew from way back too. So I'm just really, really proud to sort of say, yep, I'll come back and, uh, and celebrate you know, our time together from the past into the future right here at GRM. We've built them this new Mustang. We're really excited to get that on the track. The six hours of fun race to do. Um, just getting back behind the wheel just to really celebrate um, the car build and really also too just my association with George and Andrew Medici. George told me it's come a long way since he was sleeping on your couch in America racing your NASCARs. Uh, just tell us about that relationship. Yeah, look, George is a fantastic person uh, and, and the Medici family are just a great family. Uh, he really came close to making it in the States. He's a, he's a pro driver pretty much that never quite you know, made that last jump. So to get back in the car with him and to really just do the Bathurst six hour with, with the Medici family in a Ford Mustang, it's going to be fun, especially because we're part of the car build. So I've sort of been um, around the project the whole time. We're really excited about uh, the build of the car and hopefully we're going to be a real contender. What's well, another feather in GRM's cap getting into production car racing. Tell us a bit about the car build. 
Yeah, we just touch we touch a lot of things in racing. Um, they've got their hands on TCR cars, Trans Ams. They've been part of the 5,000 build, running cars as well. Now we're doing some production car work and even some special projects in the background. So we've got all the gear. We've got fabricators, machine shop, um, engine shop. Uh, we can do gearboxes. We can pretty much, we've got a composites room. We can do pretty much anything at GRM. And it's just really nice to be diversified and to build some beautiful race cars for the Australian racing community. This sounds like it's got all the makings of a thoroughly enjoyable weekend at Mount Panorama for you. Yeah, that's what it is. It's not a comeback. It's just a celebration, really, of just the car build and just uh, to be with George and Andrew and uh, be part of the Mediki group. So I'm looking forward to it. Thanks, Marcus. Enjoy it. Thank you. Really looking forward to seeing the Formula One Grand Prix kick off at Alba Park in just a few weeks' time. Be great to see the F1s back on track here in Melbourne after a couple of years. Plus, we'll also see supercars, Carrera Cup and S5000s. Let's have a listen to a few of the drivers talking about their feelings about being back at the Grand Prix this year. First of all, here's Dave Reynolds. Yeah, I'm very, very excited to come back to Alba Park. You know, anytime you come here, it's a fantastic event. I actually live across the road, so it's the, the closest racetrack to my house. Uh, but they've made some circuit upgrades to this track, which is going to be a lot better for passing. And, you know, I just can't wait to come here. And it's been a while since we've been at this track, but everyone's just so looking forward to coming here. Stepping back into a full-time drive in supercars is Lee Holdsworth. Yeah, very excited. It's a great event, the Australian Grand Prix, and um, it's great that supercars are a part of it. It's been a couple of years now, so uh, it was strange the last, way we, the last time we left this place. Um, yeah, and what was to come after that, and now we're back. So seems like it's all going ahead, and I'm, I'm really excited. We're going to have a great crowd here. We're going to put on a good show. There's some changes to the track, which will promote some great racing. And, um, yeah, bring it on. I can't wait to get here. Love watching this kid drive an S5000. He makes it look so easy. James Golding. Yeah, super excited to get onto the new circuit here at Albert Park. Australia's fastest race cars, S5000, are going to be fantastic around here with the changes and resurface. So can't wait to get on track. Hopefully we pick up where we left off with pole position in 2020. Didn't get to do the race, but this year we'll, we'll be full steam ahead. And we finish off with Carrera Cup driver, Dale Wood. Oh, I'm massively excited. I mean, for us, it's uh, we've all been cooped up a fair bit, so it's nice to be able to come back to an event like uh, Albert Park. For me, in previously in Carrera Cup, I've had lots of success here, so certainly uh, a place that I'm pretty excited about kicking off round one for the for our championship. But just so many things. I mean, seeing the Formula Ones come, they've had a, a big facelift, a big change. So seeing those guys, um, supercars are always entertaining around here, and just to, just to see Melbourne all alive at uh, in early April will be really good. And let's finish off our new segment with an early preview of the F1 season. Dale Rogers, g'day. G'day Tony and welcome to 2022, a uh, Formula 1 season that has already started with huge controversy uh, before the new generation F1 car has even turned a wheel. Uh, it's certainly been a week of, uh, of controversy with the FIA's uh, President Mohammed Ben Suellem speech on the 17th of February where he presented in London a new plan for a step forward, he says, in Formula 1. Uh, these uh, steps forward were structural changes. Uh, firstly, uh, to assist the race director, a decision-making process, a virtual race control room. Uh, it's not unlike what we see in football and cricket uh, around the world. Uh, there will also then be, uh, which we already knew about, that radio communication during the race uh, from teams will be removed, uh, as it sh always should have been. It was one of the real sticking points last year. Uh, 
then unlapping procedures behind safety car will be reassessed by the F1 Sporting Advisory Committee and presented to the, ex, uh, the next F1 Commission prior to the start of the season. And finally, of course, uh, a new structure of management. Michael Massey uh, has been boned, uh, and in comes uh, Niels Wittig and Eduardo Ferratis, um, who will be alternate race directors. But importantly, I think Herbie Blash returns, and Herbie was, of course, um, Charlie Whiting's right-hand man for so long. So despite a whole series of uh, admissions that... Uh, the things needed to be tidied up, things weren't perhaps quite in order, there was, there was, there was uh, uh, I guess, loopholes that the race director was faced with. Michael Massey was still sent packing, albeit that he has been offered a new position with the FIA. Um, this has really been a very controversial decision, and I, I think Michael has been uh, really you know, taken to the guillotine. Uh, if, if there were the emissions that there were issues to be solved. The FIA could well have backed uh, Massey in and put these people in positions where uh, perhaps he had more support uh, in, in the race director area and some of these um, these initiatives. However, that's the outcome. Uh, it certainly has pleased Mercedes-Benz and it certainly pleased uh, Lewis Hamilton, who now says he will drive in 2022. Not that he probably was not going to, but it, it really is a nasty, uh, nasty taste in the mouth start to the season. But the season will start, and uh, as we record this, it, the cars will be on track for the first time uh, at uh, the Catalunya circuit in Barcelona uh, for three days of testing. Um, Formula One have seen it fit to say that there's no timing and no filming at this uh, session, which to me is uh, completely bizarre given that they want more and more and more media coverage of the sport. All the cars have been released and uh, the, the new uh, aero package has now been seen on, or the new uh, total design has now been seen uh, with some spectacular liveries, particularly from those from uh, Aston Martin, Alpha Tauri uh, and uh, the McLaren guys. So uh, there's been a little bit of, of circuit running uh, really for promotional filming, uh, Mercedes, McLaren. Uh, have, have been on track at uh, Silverstone and Barcelona but it, it starts in anger the important thing here is we have not yet seen these cars run together competitively on a circuit uh, the promise of reduced aero for, for, for making it easier to follow cars uh, that will all come to fruition in the next couple of days albeit that as, as, our, as our good buddy Richard Crowell always says that you can read nothing into testing. I think what we will see though is uh, we'll just see how these cars do perform because I'm sure the, the, all teams will want to see what their cars are like when they're closing in on a car in front of them. So the next couple of days are going to be really exciting. I think it, it's, it's a new start, new generation of cars, always interesting. Um, and I think the other thing would, would appear with the, with the engines uh, in configuration remaining the same, uh, we should see uh, all the teams really step it up uh, when hopefully we don't see a big gap in, in times in the early days. Uh, they will then head to, Mar to Bahrain for another three-day test uh, on March 10 to 12. And, of course, then we go racing for the first race of the FIA World Championship, uh, Formula One World Championship on March 20 in Bahrain. And so to Australia, Tony, which I know you'll, uh, you've got some, uh, some mentions of and some interviews from in this edition of On The Grid, uh, we'll see round three. So I don't think that it's uh, any consequence that we're not getting round one. Uh, inevitably, round one with a total new car package often is a, is a race that is not only uh, processional but also can be high in, in attrition. But 
we're really waiting now to see just how these cars perform, uh, whether there's any niggling straight out of the box between Red Bull and uh, Mercedes. We can only hope there is. And, of course, we'll be keeping a very close eye on the McLaren team as to see that Daniel Ricciardo uh, hits the ground running in uh, probably a, a, a faster or, or a more content position than he did in the beginning of 2021. So, Tony, a lot to look forward to. We'll be bringing it all to you on the grid in the up-and-coming weeks. Back to you in the studio, Tony. Thanks, Dal. As we said, got a big show ahead of us. Let's get straight into it. You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world. On the grid. Really looking forward to this weekend, the first round of the Indy cars over in the States, the Firestone Grand Prix at St. Petersburg. Really looking forward to see how Scotty McLaughlin's going to go in his second season of racing. And also this young kid, Hunter McElray. He's going to turn some heads this year. Don't you worry about that. Tom Archuli from Doric caught up with him for a chat. Hi everyone, the 2022 Indy Light season starts this weekend and joining me today is none other than our Doric New Zealand ambassador and driver, Hunter McElray. Hello my mate, Hunter. How are you, mate? Good, mate. How are you? Fantastic. Now, 2022, you're stepping up to Indy Lights with Andretti. Do you feel the pressure? No, to be honest, I don't. Um, you know, I've, I've always had uh, probably the most pressure from myself internally. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm just excited more than anything, obviously, to be driving for a team like Andretti and Indy Lights. Um, you know, so close to the, the IndyCar goal now. Um, just really exciting. There's a lot of new things going on, a lot of new experiences, um, and just having fun more than anything. So, uh, you know, I've had so many, so much testing now. So I'm comfortable with the car. Um, I've been to St. Pete. Um, you know, this will be my fourth time, I believe, at St. Pete now. So, uh, actually, yeah, it will be my fourth time. So, you know, it's I know the track. Uh, I think the Indy Lights car is going to be a different beast around there from probably what I've been used to in lower powered cars. But uh, just like like I said, super excited to to get going and yeah, hopefully we can start the season off with a bang. So this year you're up to Indy Lights, which is the second the last step on the ladder to Indy Car. So one more step and you're at Indy Car after this. So last year at Indy Pro Two Thousand, tell us about the differences between what to expect in Indy Lights versus uh, last year's Indy Pro Two Thousand car. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, a big step up in in terms of like pace, you know, car speed. You know, you're going from a Indy Pro 2000 car has a little over 200 horsepower uh, into an Indy Lights car, which has 500 total. So it's a lot. Um, you know, the turbo is a big difference. Uh, and, you know, the competition that that you're racing, obviously, the higher you get up every level, the more competition you get and um yeah it's it's going to be a big step up in every way obviously i'm with a great team in andretti autosport so i'm excited about that um and yeah testing has been great you know i've been very competitive you know, topping tests and consistently in the top three so um you know i don't have like expectation or anything like that i'm just going to go do my job and um you know in terms of i guess you could say expectation i, I see no reason why we can't battle for the championship but I'm not really focused on the result. I'm kind of just focused on doing my job and I think everything will take care of itself. So yeah, I think um, like anything, every time you step up, it's always a little different and a little challenge, little different challenges, but 
um, for sure I'm ready for it and, and very well prepared, I feel like. So you talk about the testing program. So you get a big testing program. So what do you aim to learn um, doing that testing program? Yeah, I mean, I've done basically 10 days in the car now. So it's a lot of laps uh, in saying that every single other guy has too. It's not like in the past where probably some, some, I guess, private tests I've done have been private with the team. This has been every single test I've done has had every other car there, funnily enough. So, um, you know, it gives you a very big kind of reality check of where your pace is at because we have all, you know, the race tools, which is the live timing that any car uses. So you constantly know where you're at, um, which, you know, it's, it's good because, you know, like I said, where you're at. Um, and, and luckily enough, it's been quite good for me in testing, but you know, I've already said it's testing, so no points for that yet. Uh, but I think the biggest thing for me was just to learn the new team, the new car and get comfortable. That's all I really cared about was getting comfortable, you know, um, learning the, the new processes of how the Andretti team does debriefs. You know, it's very different to what I've been used to in the past, a lot more structured, a lot longer, a lot more detail in, in kind of off the track, like driver slash engineer things. And every driver has their own engineer in the team. So there's four engineers total. Every driver has, you know, two mechanics and their own tire guy. So there's just a lot of people power there as well. And it's just, you know, it's normal that it's the natural progression of moving up to having more people. And, and obviously, you know, it costs more money too. So that's where it all goes. Um, but, you know, it's kind of just like the basic stuff that people say, you know, more laps, more learning. Um, but it's not like, you know, I got an advantage of any other team, you know, everyone kind of just gradually worked up together, whatever they were working on. So, um, I'm for sure the most prepared I've been for a season, no doubt. Uh, but I, what I will say is that it's not like anyone else didn't get that opportunity as well. So everyone is very prepared. So it's going to be extremely close. Yeah. So COVID and lots of people's lives upside down over the last couple of years and you haven't seen your parents in a long time. Now, this weekend, they are turning up to watch your race for the first time because you can do that now. So what are you more excited about this weekend, seeing your parents or actually racing? <laughs> um, it's hard. It's hard because I'm very excited to see my mom and dad. Like you said, I haven't seen them for a year. So um, it's going to be, it's going to be weird to see them in person again. You know, I've been lucky to have FaceTime and things like that, but it sucks to not see your parents for that long. And I'm so excited about that and seeing them and spending a couple of days with them here in Indy and you know, they're going to come check out my apartment and things like that. But, um, you know, I'm obviously very excited to race too. So I think after I see my, my mom and dad and hang out for a few days, um, that'll be great. And that's what I'm looking forward to right now. But um, I think after that, it's going to be all business ready for the weekend. So it's a tough question. Um, I'm excited for both in different ways. <laughs> well, nothing beats a mum's hug, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, this weekend, round one at the streets of St. Petersburg. How are you feeling? Like, you know, what's the feeling within yourself? And obviously you're going to try and win. But, you know, take us into your mindset about how you're preparing for this weekend. Yeah, um, St. Pete's one of my favorite tracks. You know, it's it's super fun to start the year there. It's it's one of these tracks where um, it's obviously a street track. So, 
margin of error is very, very small, um, particularly in the middle sector. It's very tight. Uh, the track tightens up a lot. Uh, and, you know, you can really get caught out. So it's going to be very, very, you know, you have to be very, very millimeter perfect around a street track always. And that's something that I enjoy a lot. Uh, but in saying that, you know, it is probably one of the more forgiving street tracks in the sense of it kind of, you know, the, the front straight is a airport runway. So it goes from like six, five, depending now, probably five car lengths, not six because of, um, you know, the Indy Lights car being a lot bigger than the cars that I've driven in the past. But it goes from a very wide straight into like a narrow kind of funnel like thing in turn one. So always after a season, um, going into that after not racing for, you know, basically the whole off season, it lends to be a bit chaotic. So you obviously you don't want to be involved in that. Um, but you can't worry about it either. You just got to do what you can do in your control. And for me, um, you know, I'm feeling good. You know, like I said, I had a really good testing program and, uh, if you can call off my pole, it obviously eliminates a lot of that risk. So, um, it's a little different format than usual. It's one qualifying, uh, a practice qualifying final practice than the race. So very, very condensed actually the weekend, uh, more kind of like the IndyCar style as IndyCar has taken over ownership Indy lights. Um, so very different in a few ways, but, uh, than what I have done in the past, but I think at the end of the day, you know, I'm going to St. Peter track. I love to drive an Indy lights car, a car that I've driven a lot recently, um, as fast as I can. So I'll just do that. And uh, I think it'll be good. All right, mate. Well, wish you all the best. Uh, us Australians and Kiwis can watch you on the Indie Lights website live. It's about it's early morning for us, so I'm sure we'll put a little summary together for you next week anyway. So all the best. 2022, let's go. Thanks, mate. There's more great motorsport stories coming next on The Grid. Carlsy, a couple of drivers have been announced at Wilkinshaw as their enduro drivers. Fabian Coulthard is one, and also this man, is the other going back to Wilkinshaw is Warren Luffy joins us on the line now. Hello, Luffy. Hey guys, how are you? Good to yeah, it's good to be back at obviously Wilkinshaw. It's my ninth year there, and um, look, it's been a very happy hunting ground in the past for me, and uh, had great success at Bathurst with the team, and um, obviously with Nick coming back to back into the the Wilkinshaw family this year. Um, yeah, we know that uh, this year with obviously Fabian and I. And obviously with Nick and Chaz that uh, that will have uh, a great a great uh, or two great cars. Um, obviously, just to, trying to work out who's going to go in which car at the moment. Well, that was going to be my next question, Luffy. But regardless of that, this morning when the news broke, I ran down to my TAB and just threw all my money on you to win the great race because it strikes me that it it really doesn't matter who you line up with because with Chaz, who obviously did such an amazing job there last year. And Nick, you've got two A-grade drivers, so the, the team is in such a good position. Well, exactly. And obviously, they've now both won the great race. So, um, yeah, look, for, for both Fabian and I, we're not really concerned about, obviously, which car we end up with. We know that, um, that both of those guys have had success at Bathurst in the past. They know what it takes to succeed there. Um, so, look, for both Fabian and I, we're excited um, with whichever car we end up in. What's the uh, plan for enduro drivers this year, Luffy? Will you get a couple of test days throughout the year? Yeah, look, obviously we'll do sort of a, a few test days throughout the year and probably like most teams, 
we've got a ton of ride days to be able to sort of catch up on, obviously, with with COVID over the last couple of years. So um, yeah, there'll be a lot of uh, a lot of ride days throughout the year, and uh, I'm sure probably closer to enduro season, they'll V8 Supercars will throw in a few sort of Friday co-driver sessions, maybe. So um, yeah, look, it was important for both Fabian and I to to be there today. We didn't get a lot of laps, but today was just about being there and uh, and seeing sort of uh, the the new people that are there in the team, obviously uh, Jeff Slater comes on board as Nick's engineer for this year. And obviously Jeff's got a, a huge amount of experience and he's, and he's won Bathurst as well in the past. So we've now got two drivers and, and two engineers that have, that have all uh, won Bathurst. So um, yeah, Fabian and I are the old ones out at the moment. Luffy, you were part of WAU from in several sort of phases, I suppose, of the team's history. And, you mentioned the the number of times you've come back, but what what's the vibe in the outfit now, and how does it compare with the last couple of years? Because, I mean, they're the form team. They won Bathurst last round last year, so they are the squad to beat coming into this season. But what's it like internally, especially with these changes, some of which you've just mentioned? Yeah, look, I think um, look the the team's obviously gone through sort of a bit of a bit of a revamp over probably the last sort of eighteen months, and. Um, uh, a lot, a lot of changes internally within the team, and it's, it's, it's all about just, I suppose, really building momentum, and uh, and we saw that obviously uh, for both Chaz and Lee at Bathurst last year, and and obviously it was a great result for for the team to to be able to sort of get the Bathurst win, but it's now about sort of, I suppose, taking that momentum that we had at Bathurst last year, and and rolling that into this year, and, and to be able to sort of have that level of performance at every round. Obviously, look, Fabian and I, we're, we're, we're most interested in Bathurst, but um, the team obviously want to try and capitalise on that success at Bathurst last year and, and show that uh, obviously it wasn't just sort of a, a one-off thing, that we can be that that competitive at, at all races this year. And uh, and obviously, yeah, we, we know we've got the right people around us. It was if you were to put all the co-drivers into a room and ask them which seat they would have wanted for this year, most of them probably put a, would have put their hand up and said a seat with Chas Mostert, but... That wasn't available until a couple of months ago until Lee obviously left that seat. A, a prize seat like that doesn't come up too often, does it? No, look, it, it definitely doesn't. And um, But, look, it was great to see Lee uh, off the back of the, the great drive that he had at Bathurst be able to sort of um, to, to end up back in, the, in a full-time drive this year. So, um, yeah, look, obviously we, we know that obviously every team up and down pit lane is going to be uh, wanting to, to knock us off at Bathurst this year. Um, it's it's never going to be easy to to go back to back, but um, again, as I said, we know that we've got the right people. Keep working hard, and um, obviously, the team would love nothing more than be able to sort of uh, to do it two years in a row. Have you looked, Luffy, for a full time drive? The Lee Holdsworth example is a really good one that that he propelled himself from co driver back into a main game seat. Is that something you've actively sought out, or are you? Are you content in the role you're in? Of course, you've got a lot of stuff going on the side with McElroy Racing and with your stuff at Movie World. Uh, look, I'm, I'm really happy in my role as a co-driver. I've, uh, obviously, I've done sort of my years as a, as a full-time driver. Um, and look I, look, I enjoy what uh, what I can do as a co-driver and, and what that role brings and, and all that sort of stuff. So, And as you said, I've got a, I've got a lot of other things away from V8 Busy and, and obviously keeps me on motorsport as well. So, um, look, yeah, simple thing is no, I haven't really sort of gone chasing. Um, and yeah, I, I suppose with the success that I've been able to have over the 
UAU, obviously previous to that, obviously with that, with HRT, I've, I've enjoyed a lot of success at Bathurst. And so for me, I sort of think back to being that kid growing up and watching Bathurst and wanting to, to always be able to sort of race there and sort of have some kind of success. I suppose live that dream now. And obviously the, the last one on the, the bucket list to tick is to... Yeah, and I mean, your success is extraordinary. Just, I think, what, six podium finishes in the last 10 years. It's it's pretty remarkable, mate. And I don't think there is a single person in the paddock that would begrudge you a, a, a adding a P1 to that list. What, what about outside of supercars, mate? Is there any GT stuff? Uh, I know you're still very heavily involved with McElroy Racing, as I said, with their Carrera Cup and Sprint Challenge programs. But will we see you in a car outside of the Enduros and, and your Movie World stuff as well? I saw him doing yeah, a bit of coaching on the weekend as well at Sydney Motorsport yeah. Park. Yeah, and no, I was at Sydney Motorsport Park on the weekend. A mate of mine was racing in the Kumo series, so I was down there to give him a hand. And um, yeah, look, as you mentioned, obviously I'll be back at McElroy Racing doing some stuff as well this year. Um, there is actually another program that um, that's kind of going to uh, come to light in the next sort of coming weeks. Unfortunately, I can't say too much about it at the moment. Um, but yeah, it's something that's actually really exciting for me and it's, uh, something I've wanted to do for a long time. So, um, yeah, stay tuned. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, 12 hours, mate. Okay, uh, anything in, in the works for the Bathurst 12 hour as well? That's not that far away now in May? Um, not at the moment. Um, but usual thing with the 12 hour, a lot of, a lot of deals tend to sort of come about sort of usually about a month out from that. So yeah, look, I've spoken to a few people. Um, obviously I've always enjoyed the 12 hour and again, had some, had some really good success there as well. So would love to, love to be back at the 12 hour, but just have to wait and see at the moment. I'm going to ask you a final question and I, I might have to wait for the book to come out in 10 years time before I get the answer, but I'll ask <laughs> it now. Who's your favorite to co-drive with? Who is your favorite driver to co-drive with? Um, look, I think over the years I've been, I've been so lucky. I've, I've partnered with some amazing guys and, uh, and, and learned some great things from everyone. Uh, I think for me, if I try and categorize it as to probably, um, like I think my first Baptist podium with Craig in 2012 was probably a standout thing because again, it takes me back to being that seven year old kid that sat on the lounge and watched Bathurst and then to, to walk out on that podium for that very first time was a, was incredibly special. It was a very surreal moment. It's kind of one of those kind of dream come true moments in your life. And obviously to do it with Craig, who, as we all know, is definitely the people's champion of our sport, uh, was, was pretty special as well. So, um, but every, every battle had its, has its own reasons for being incredibly special. And then there's times where, where you haven't ended up on the podium, but it's still, there's a, a lot of great memories and a, and a lot of things because there's so many people, as you guys know, that are that are a part of the team that go into making those weekends happen. And, and it doesn't always end up spraying champagne on a Sunday afternoon, but realistically, anytime you're getting to race at Bathurst, it's pretty cool. So last one for me, mate, yeah, we'll wait for the book, Shebex. And I, I reckon the favourite co-driver will be Nick Perkett if he wins <laughs> wins it this year. Uh, last one for me, mate, because I can see you're not far away from Tullamarine. I recognise that bit of the Hume you're on. Yeah. Um, uh, I just wanted a, a word about the drivers that you've worked with in your coaching role. 
we've seen great news like Matt Campbell locked into the the prototype program with Porsche moving forward. Jackson Evans been announced as a, a, a Porsche factory driver again for the next couple of years. And young Hunter McElroy off to the States to roll into Indy Lights this weekend. Just a word, mate, on the satisfaction you get out of seeing those guys progress their careers forward in, in such a way. Yeah, look, it's it's obviously it's pretty special for me to have had a very small part in their early parts of their careers, and and it makes you proud to see them sort of go on and and have have the success that they have. But it also it shows that sort of motorsport here in Australia is a great building ground for for young kids that want to go and sort of tackle the world, and whether it be go to Europe or go to America or, or whatever, we've got some great foundations here in our in our motorsport programs um that give these kids the ability to go and do that so um yeah it's uh, you do get very proud to, to see what those guys are doing and to, and to still chat to them and keep in touch and uh and yeah you you stand back and you go that was that was a cool part to to be involved in the early part of their careers well, thank you so much for your time really do appreciate it so fly back home and we look forward to catching up with you soon thanks boys chat soon Warren Luff joining us here on The Grid. You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world. On The Grid. All right, as always, we finish up with a uh, trio of us having a bit of a chat about supercars and whatever else is happening around the world of motorsport. Mark Walker joins myself and Richard Crowell now for that chat. Hello, Mark. Tony Shebeki, welcome back to your own podcast. It's good to have you back on the yes, show. Yes, actually, that's at fourth show of the year and you're batting at 50% now. Yeah, no, I'll catch up. I'll be batting at uh, I'll be batting at seventy five next week, won't I? Well, no, because I don't plan on dropping around, and neither does Mark. So uh, it doesn't work that way. Well, but anyway, I may not nice make the hundred. It's nice to have you back. We came up with a few little wild reasonings about why you're on assignment, and then I gave up and just told them you're at school camp. But and, and that's exactly right. I was where mm. kids were getting COVID left, right, and centre. Mm. And once again, I just kept avoiding it. Yeah, I think yeah. we had fifty kids out of one camp, out of one hundred and three. Really? Get it in one camp, batting and, uh, there as well. Then a couple of the the next week one. Yeah, so that was a bit of fun. Yeah, the, the common denominator in all that COVID seems to be you, Tony. <laughs> Tony Shabeki. Yeah, it does. <laughs> You're the original and I was, super and I was spreader. Testing negative. <laughs> uh, what a week it's been in motorsport. I think we should start, boys, with the Daytona five hundred. Do you? Yeah, I do, because it was the first big uh, motorsport event of the year, as always, and it was sensational, I thought. Pretty bloody good, wasn't it? Absolutely cracking motor race. It was fantastic. (sighs) It makes you uh, appreciative of uh, live interrupted ad break-free television, though, doesn't it? (laughs) I reckon there was one point relatively early in the race where my Fox, I was watching on Foxtel Go, was away at an ad for about eight and a half minutes. And then it came back for a very, very brief moment. And then it disappeared again for about five minutes. Uh, you know, Fox in the USA pelted their ad breaks in uh, that motor race. So it makes me very appreciative of I'm more than happy to pay for streaming services that give it to me ad break free. Wowee. Correct. I, I think in the States, one of the ad breaks was five and a half minutes. Mm. So, uh, yeah, not great. Uh, good racing, though. Mm. New Next gen car in race conditions and it was fine. I mean, there were a couple of issues that uh, have come up in the race. Obviously, wheels falling off. That's not something that normally happens. And it was the first time out there with a single uh, lug nut on the centre hub of the wheels, which is and, a bit of a different thing for them. And wheels being taken away. Yeah. yeah so that that's going to be funny. And I'd say probably by the time this... Uh, here we go. 
It'll be the morning after the podcast. <laughs> there we go. We've, we figured it out already. See, well, the, the see, upside is they can't get excluded from the race because they didn't. They used the original yeah. stock wheel for the race. We're talking about Penske. Yeah. Uh, and it was an issue with the mounting lugs that that situate the wheel on the hub. And Penske felt they weren't big enough. Said And Roger himself said, we went to NASCAR and asked if we could fix it. And they didn't come back to us. So we just did it, <laughs> which generally and, doesn't and, go down particularly well. But we and did tell we, them. For the right, they confiscated the wheels and then they went back to the original off the shelf item for the race. So at least Austin Sindrick isn't going to lose his win, which is a good thing. The, the problem is it'll probably be an asterisk against whatever happens that, you know, they lose all their points or whatever the penalties are down the track. They were doing the modifications in clear sight of everyone. They're doing yeah. them in the back of the garage and mm. there's no hiding in NASCAR. That's one of the beauties yeah. of their setup of having no pit walls and everything's out in the wide open. If, you want to see what your neighbor's doing, it's going to be right there in front of you. And they mm. line them all up in championship order, or I'm not quite sure how they'll start them at uh, Daytona, but normally it's championship order during the year. So the good guys are all next to the good guys and they'll get to see exactly what the other guys are doing. They're very stringent uh, scrutineering over there, all their laser systems that they have to send the cars through. And if the cars don't pass scrutineering, they don't get a, a gig on the track. The racing itself, it was a marked improvement over what we saw last year. You know, for a lot of the race, it was two big lines of cars mm. snaking their way around the circuit, which is something we didn't see last year with the old car. So that was good. Uh, excellent finish. Yeah, it excellent was, Excellent finish. How would you be fencing your teammate, teammate to win the Daytona 500? But I loved the fact that, it, like, if that happened here, well, we saw the blow up with T8 at Eastern Creek last year. I love the fact that Sindrick said, save of actually wrecking him, I was going to do anything to win the race. And Blaney said, I really don't care as long as I was just operating on the basis that as long as a Penske car won the race, it was going to be all good. So I like that. And maybe that's a driving for the captain thing more than just those guys. But yeah, pretty, pretty hard, full high on the track to put Blaney up in the fence and then hard down to try and squeeze Bubba down. Uh, and ultimately won it by a few thousands. But how good Austin Sindrick? And now when someone like this wins a race, every man and their dog comes out with a, oh, I was his father's <laughs> brother's nephew's cousin's sister's former roommate. But uh, I'm stoked for Austin. I had the good fortune to meet him and call his racing when he did the Bathurst 12-hour with Erebus Motorsport. 2015 was his first year. He was a 17-year-old kid. Even then, he was extremely well-spoken, polite, friendly, engaging, Clearly very talented. He got down to very competitive lap times quickly. Um, he and I talked for 15 minutes at their team photo shoot they did on the Thursday night. Most of that chat was about how Tim Sindrick, his dad, ran Max Pappas out of field at Michigan nice. uh, in the IndyCar race. But aside from that, um, yeah, really, really cool to see. And, and it's nice to have that little bit of a, a personal connection with someone who goes on and achieves fantastic things and I think represents the sport really really well he's proper nascar but he's well spoken and articulate and funny and i think he's a, a terrific role model for the sport moving forward yeah he's he's gone the sporty car route to get into nascar mm. which is good remember back when we were there in 2018 in the nationwide race there was one guy out there who looked like an accident waiting for somewhere to happen yeah and it was austin Sindrick, and he wound up having a big banana right in front of us and i mm. i thought out of all the wrecks we saw that week that was the one that was going to hit us in the face oh, it was pretty big we saw some wrecks that but week too he was nowhere and that's yeah. one thing that he's done is fix up his oval racing he clearly had to mm. so you know now he's up there driving the number two for roger penske fairly big shoes to fill there 
the expectation was, hey, he's going to come through and win something on one of these road courses because there's so many road courses throughout the season. But here he is. He's kicked one off. A, he's kicked a big one right off the get-go. So, you know, he's locked himself into the playoffs come the end of the season. It's a great effort. There's no doubt about that. Uh, the other massive news over the uh, late part of last week and right across the weekend was, of course, the... I think I can safely say the sacking of Michael Massey from his position as race director of uh, F1s. Mm. Oh, there's no doubt he was... He was, to use the Aussie colloquialism, boned, um, and that was pretty clear. I, I thought it was badly handled. Yep. There was so much speculation and innuendo. 90% of the world expected him to be moved from that job. But at least outwardly, there were no messages of support. He almost wanted, you know how you get the, the CEO or the chairman of the board comes out, oh, we're in full support of our coach. We're full, the coach has the full backing of the board, and then two weeks later, they're sacked. Well, yeah. But you almost wanted that to happen. But there was just absolute radio silence. And I get that there were some issues within the FIA. For starters, a new president late last year, just after the final round. So the hierarchy at the, the top of the sport completely changed while all of this was going on. But the communication around it was shocking. They let the... They let the... Um, maelstrom that was the media and social media hype about this completely run rampant with no effort to control the narrative or get some viewpoints out or anything around it and this isn't up to michael to do this there's no way you'd pop your head up mm. but this is about the fia I, I just and and probably affected a little bit more because i've worked with michael and i know him and have a relationship with how he operates and he was a race director for career cup and super two and so I know the kind of character he is, and I think I'm I'm just disappointed in the way it was managed. I thought it was very, very poor from the FIA. Ultimately, the changes, whether they work or not, we'll find out after 23 races this year. And there's, but it it's clear that they've put changes in that should have probably been in place 12 months ago, 24 months ago, or longer. So I, I'm. I'm very frustrated with the way that it's all played out from a personal point of view, but as a fan of the sport as well, I don't think it's been handled particularly well. Yeah, there's a few things here. I mean, obviously in Australia, a lot of people know him and have met him and are well aware of him. So there's a lot of pro Michael Massey fans around here, which is totally understandable. You know, going back to Abu Dhabi, the, the rules were in place, but the rules also stated he can make a captain's call and mm. he can make up his mind and he made up his mind if he played it out and that race finished under safety car would we be talking about this now no but i i think the narrative and it wouldn't have been as extreme and uh noxious as it was the narrative would be well the best world championship in the last 20 years was ruined by finishing under safety car so that's the irony about mm. it but i i in a way it, it could be a good it's not a good thing i don't want to say it's a good thing but it might actually benefit the fia long term because it's rammed down their throat that they needed change so they needed so they've basically replaced massey with two blokes so they're going to alternate race directors race to race and, now, a, virtual, is that, and a virtual bloke haven't they so it's nearly three well well no no they've they got two guys that are going to alternate races one of them's eduardo okay. freitas who's the world endurance championship asian le mans all those um Series race director is very, very good. I'm not very much aware of the other guy, but to get that role, he'd be well credentialed. But so they've replaced Matthew with two guys. So that for me indicates one, the workload to do 23 races is pretty significant. And then two, 
they've popped in with their VAR, which is the the soccer yeah. bunker that they use in Europe. The NRL's got the bunker here, pros or cons around that, depending on how you follow the sport. But so they've gone back to having a virtual race control as well to offer more support. So all they've gone is this release. We're getting rid of Massey, but we're completely revamping our system to make it better. So it's clear that these changes were needed, but and maybe this has exposed weaknesses in the FIA to improve the system and make race control a better place. So a few things still from this is that they did a thorough analysis of what happened. There's a lot more people in race control than Michael Massey. Maybe he actually did bugger it up. I mean, they're not going to come out and say that to protect him, but who's to say? No, you almost we'll probably never to, know. Like you almost want them to go. Do you but know then what? That's, but they, you know, everyone's complaining that he's been handled, that he's been treated so poorly. Then if you go and reveal that he's absolutely buggered it up, how's that being but, any but he's better? Still been whether he cocked it up or not, he's still been treated incredibly badly. Yeah, I don't so, think that the call is irrelevant at this point. There's been three months of pure speculation about this whole thing and yeah. absolutely nothing explaining what went on. And, and it's unlikely we're ever going to know unless Netflix have done the deal to get the rights for season four of Drive to no, Survive. It, it'll be over on uh, Stan. You wait. <laughs> but the, the thing is too, by replacing him with a committee, it's a lot easier to shuffle individuals out or if there's a problem mm. or if someone's not pulling their weight or someone's not up to it, it's easy to pull somebody or something out of that system. If someone in the virtual room's not up to it, you can easily just move all the little pieces around and it doesn't cause this big storm that we've got here at the moment. Mm. I, think the, I think the worst thing he did out of the whole thing that he did at Abu Dhabi was that one comment to Toto where he said, it's a motor race, Toto. No, that was my favourite part of the oh, whole no, thing. No, it was for me too, but I reckon for him, I reckon that was the worst thing he did because Toto would have just taken that so bad mm. and would have thought that it was just total disrespect and then he would have just gone like a dog with a bone from there. Which there he clearly no did. Back from that. And, and Toto is the Roland Dane of Formula 1. So, you know, goes straight to the source yeah. and is not backwards and coming forward about his opinions. But there's always two sides. Christian Horner would have absolutely loved it. Yeah, so... And, well, and, you I, know, I, I agree with that call, by the way. It's, oh, yeah, same. It's got to be about motor racing. Yeah, correct. But, you know, so many types of motorsport around the world don't have this direct line to the race no, and control. And, and so drama. many others have, you know, communications to race control via land, via email, which you have somebody there, an intermediary, intercepting and deciphering and mm. sending it off to the right person so that's not taking away from the well, job of the race director. Supercars has got the land, but they've also got Adrian Burgess and Paul Martin in pit lane. So yeah. talking to the team bosses, they're, they're the intermediary. Yeah. The, so there's the, a filter there, you know, 100%. it's not. But the only reason, again, well, the only reason we found out that that direct line between team boss to race director was a thing was because the broadcast got better and Liberty Media, when they bought F1, went, well, we need to do a better job of telling these stories. So one way to do that is play more radio. So all of us, we never got those radio comments. No, we never got them. Yeah. So in inadvertently, Formula One's commercialization and their improvement of the sport as a sporting product for you and I to sit on the couch and watch has conspired to this and not only forced rule change, but some pretty fundamental upheavals in the sport. All right, let's race through a few more topics, guys, because there's a couple of things to get through. Uh, we just spoke to Luffy, but Fabian Coulthard to WAU, that's a, a good thing for him. Oh, going to happen wasn't it just a matter of when yeah the best co-driver on the market well whatever the combos are there they're going to be strong aren't they 
yeah, we we just said that with Luffy. It doesn't matter who he drives with, and he was like, nope, he's <laughs> he's yeah. in a good spot. You drive with Chaz, who's in the form of his life and clearly working well, or you drive with Nick Perkat, who has been driving extremely well, and we'll expect to f- flourish in that environment. What do you th- what do you think he was talking about when he said he's got something happening in a couple of weeks' time? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, a bit of a GT really? program, perhaps. Yeah. Or, Very interesting. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Premier Hire Racing, what mm. do we think of that whole setup? Well, I think we we're all pleasantly surprised when they took the covers off their cars at um, the uh, Gold Coast's NRL Stadium earlier this yes. week. Yes. Because they're two very, very good-looking racing cars. And oh, such a massive improvement from the utter dog's breakfast we've been served up by Team Sydney for the last couple of years. It's um, interesting. They've set up base at Arundel on the Gold Coast, which is right in that alleyway, Dick Johnson Racing, Matt Stone Racing. It's a lot of motorsport people based around that area. Mm. So there's talent there. If you want to go poaching people, I mean, so many folks who worked at Techno wound up at Matt Stone or they wind up at the other teams in that local area. So it's, it's an easier sell than say a team Sydney where, Oh, look, there's no team in Sydney, but then there's none of the staff that you need to run these shows with the experience that you expect. So it's good that they're in the right sort of area there. Um, You know, race cars that don't have a lot of stickers on them look pretty good. (laughs) You know, you look at a a Red Bull Lampole racing that doesn't have a square centimeter of real estate left and they look a bit cluttered, but uh, and and that goes all up and down the field. Some of the teams that don't have a lot of sponsors look cool. I like the tradie car, but there's not a lot of stickers on it. Yeah, mm. but no, it's um. I think the subway thing's a good thing, and and that's yes, right. proof of the Coca Cola relationship, you know, being leveraged. And I like that as well. It's important. We all know that Coke, through their distributor, is tied to Chris Pither. It's a fact, um, and that's there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. He's far from the last driver in the world that has brought a sponsorship relationship to a team. But the fact that they've clearly been then able to go and leverage it to get Subway on Gary's car for two rounds minimum. Uh, it's great. Oh, it's a terrific livery too. They've done a really nice job of that car. Scotty Yorston from SS Media designed that and did a, a super job. Looks great. But yeah, they could, do, they could do the tour. They could get the Macca's car in there. They could get the Pizza Hut. They could get all the different Coke associated companies in there. Let's do it. That's awesome. Yeah, Coke and uh, Ned. Oh, there you go. Well, it's a good combo. And yeah. Ned just signed on for three years as Supercars. Uh, what, Official Glory. beverage. Yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's a good relationship. Good sponsorship. Very nice. Do that. Very I, nice. I know I've worked with a lot of marketing departments, commercial departments, and they all love doing the alcohol deal because they know it makes the Christmas party at the end of the year really, yeah. really good. I'm still fat from Jack Daniels. So yeah, yeah you did good. JDs for a long time. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm still happy to offer you something for those crates you've still got in the garage right as well. Right. We just need to talk. <laughs> <clears throat> Great chat with Marcus Ambrose. Crowsy earlier on. He looks really snuffed to be a part of the uh, six hour yeah don't call it a comeback because it's not but no, uh a off. racing return for unky marcus it's a cool story isn't it i mean hasn't really been in a race car since 2015 and and wanted to do this because of his relationship with george medici and they race closely together in the states and george drove for marcus's late model team and their various uh, in the junior nascar category slept on his couch for a time so they put the band back together, uh, brand new Mustang being built by GRM, which is going to be a very, very good car. Will it be good enough to challenge the BMWs at Easter? Yes. Probably not. It's in the conversation. Mm, yeah, There's been is. some good good Mustangs there recently, but they haven't had Marcus Ambrose and 
George McNamee. No, McNamity. they they haven't, but they also or, haven't. Or had, Gary Rogers motorsport running. Yeah, them. they also haven't had the raw speed of those bimmers. But I think over a distance they'll be okay. Um it's just such a good story. Really, really like it. It's, sell sell uh, some tickets. That's uh, good business. Oh, it should do. Yeah. Yep. He's a big name. Good for the broadcaster. They are, they are pumped about it, Stan Sport. So they're all over it. Um, oh, it. It's just a good motorsport, good news story all around, I think, isn't it? And just adds yeah. another level of narrative to that race. Will Davison confirmed alongside Beric Linton and Tim well, Lane. Okay, there, there's your team right there. Probably a favourite. <laughs> That's the race favourite right now, although I imagine Shane is going to be back with the, the BMW team that won last year as well. So all of a sudden it's getting a bit 12-hour spec with all the pros popping up in that field, which is not a bad thing at all. So it's such a good race. I love the six-hour. It's one of my favourite events of the year because it's just so chilled out and relaxed, but it's still a properly cool Bathurst endurance race. But, and yeah, having Ambrose there is a big thing. And it's the right length, and you're going to have a record field. Yeah, yeah. So the 70, still 70 cars locked in for that. Amazing. Um, a couple of withdrawals, but a few. Uh, there, there was a backup list, so... Um, they are it is still at capacity at this point i think we'll see the entry list within a week or two the full full grid for that race i uh got to call my longest race of my racing career my four-hour super gt enduro at uh the amrs at sydney motorsport park on the weekend it's a long time ah four hours there's nothing shebex it oh, was mate, your mate here does 12 hours without taking nothing. No, he does i know he does take a what now but, but you do have three or four blokes who rotate through no, Richard stands hey, up for the whole hour. thing. Yeah, mate, don't you? mate, 2020 Bathurst 12 hour. My sole time out of the commentary box was three minutes and 51 seconds. Wow. Yeah, uh, I'll I was pushing real hard, by the way. <laughs> four, four hours at Sydney Motorsport Park, Shebex. How there. was your uh, Australian Motor Racing Series experience up there? Oh, it was the first Sydney one Motorsport because we, we were meant to do six last year, but of course, COVID. Bugged all that up. So, uh, yeah, first time I'd been with the series. Oh, look, I tell you what, it's a great category. What I loved about the category, and it was evident a couple of times, was uh, there were issues with a couple of cars. Uh, the Patiachi father and son combination, Indurand and uh, Duvachet, smashed their car up on the first day. And then one of the other competitors, I can't remember who it was off the top of my head, had said, oh, I've got a Porsche at home. Do you want me to go get it for you? And you can race that. So they just uh, swapped cars and jumped in there. I mean, that, that sort of stuff gold, normally doesn't happen in mm. national series. So mm. that was good to see that sort of stuff. F3s was great to see. There was only seven cars on the track, unfortunately, uh, for the majority of the time. But they sounded great. They looked great. And it'd be nice if there was a couple more to uh, fix that field up. The TA2, it, just a, those cars are just out of this world. They really are. And I'll tell you what, there's a couple of good drivers coming through there in young Morris and young Johnson. Boy, oh boy, can they go. Yeah, well, we saw them in Tassie a week before with the Trans Am Series. Same cars, a lot of the same faces as well. It's 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 a great category. It's a really good category. They're, they're at Bathurst later this year at the International yeah. uh, in November and I could get 50 cars. Uh, look, I've said it to you guys before and I said it to Paul Morris on Sunday night, uh, Saturday night after the race. It was night racing. We didn't finish till 11 o'clock. But I said to Paul Morris, I said, if supercars was to somehow just go absolutely bankrupt and could never race again. And these things became the premier category of V8 racing in Australia. I don't reckon the public would be too upset. I honestly don't. Hmm. I mean, they're not going to be, but. No, no but if, if that happened, which it yeah. won't, yeah. Uh, they're great cars. They really are. It's good racing. Yeah, they're terrific. I mean, you could throw a six-speed gearbox in them, put them on the current Dunlop, and they do 
sixes at Bathurst, no problem. Yeah. So, yeah. But no, look, great category for what they are. 150 grand to get into it. Cost you the same to run a full season national championship. They're tough, close racing. Uh, it's, it's tremendous. And and in the past, there was some fraction between the AASA side and the ARG Trans Am side. But fortunately, that's all now been put behind them and everyone's happy campers. And Is this? Different. Yeah, it is. Yeah. They're different series yeah. for different folks, different budget levels. Yeah. yeah. I think everyone's pretty good. Uh, good uh, and the other thing that grabbed me too was the uh, Kumo V8 Classic cars. Mm. Nice, uh, good-looking old supercars there that were uh, that look good. So yeah, that was a, a pretty good weekend. Throwing some stock cars as well, and yeah, it made yeah it like like the NASCARs. That's cool. Oh, the stock cars were really cool. More and more of those, please. Yeah, those are uh, those Silverados, those Chevy Silverados. Mm. They can mm. go. I like it. Yeah, that was oh, that. good stuff. Uh, hey, final one. Uh, we you mentioned the twelve hour, and I forgot to mention this. Nice combination. Uh, just announced for the 12 hour as well with SVG, Feeney and Prince. Uh, yeah, Prince Jeffrey from um, Johor at the southern end of Malaysia. So he'll make his 12 hour debut as uh, Brock Feeney's been there before, but in not in a GT3 car. And SVG's obviously won it uh, and been in contention for many a year. So, yeah, good combo. I think it points to where I think in the nature of this year's race will probably end up. You're in saying there'll be AM drivers in the yeah, Well, I think there'll be more AM drivers than we're used to seeing, yeah. It just it makes sense that with the continued international dramas, and you've got to remember that even though our borders now open and people are coming in and out, um, you've still got to quarantine for three weeks to go back to Hong Kong or China. Ouch. Um, and you still can't get back and forward from New Zealand and all of these things. So there's still some pretty serious um, international travel limitations that are are going to put an, an international damper on this year's 12 hour, but I'm pretty confident the field will still be still be racy. So, yep, good to see T8 there. And they've uh, also announced they're going back to GT World Challenge Asia this year as well, which is cool, with um, the Prince's brother yeah. and uh, Jazaman Jafar, who's a quite well-known Malaysian uh, race driver. So they're going to run an AMG GT3 up there. So Triple Eight continuing their march to uh, international domination as well as here in Australia as well. That's it, boys. Job's done. Great to be back with you again. Well, thanks, Tony. I hope you're here again next week. That'd be yeah. nice. Yeah. I don't intend to be anywhere else. Excellent. You just never know. Hey, uh, thank you for joining us as well. We'll catch you guys soon, and we'll catch you also soon right here on The Grid.